I make I make a point to make sure that everyone feels welcome in the clinic, that they feel safe in the clinic, and and that they're going to get better. So that's like, you know, and I'm not going to BS them on stuff if I don't think I can treat it. Especially like I'm I'm busy enough now where there's I don't want that person to just be coming to see me just to pay me. Like I want them to feel like they're getting results. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour. This is Aaron LeBauer, your host, and today my guest is Jim Hefner. And Jim and I go way back. Um, he uh, has gone through, he went through my program, uh, the Cash PT Blueprint. Jim is a, uh, an educator. He works on uh, the Student Physical Therapist blog. He's yes. written a couple of books. He's got a cash practice in Boulder. Um, he also likes yoga just like I do and is crushing <laughs> it. So um, I've been working to find some other people who've been doing this for a while, who are doing some unique things. Jim's written some great books and I want to talk about that. So for all those reasons and because I met Jim a few years ago at CSM in person and he's a cool guy and I didn't get to spend enough time with him then, I wanted to bring him on the show so we could hang out. So Jim, welcome well, thank so Thank you much. for having me. That's, yeah. that's great to be here. And it's great to connect again because it has been since... CSM San Antonio, I think it was. Yeah, I believe so. It's been yeah. at least a few years, I think. So that's awesome. Well, so let's start. I want to, I always start with like, why, why physical therapy? Because I want to know like what drove you into this? And then the next thing I know is like, what pushed you into starting your own cash practice? So there's kind of two questions and you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Well, I think we should, the first one, the why physical therapy, it was, something that I kind of just stumbled. Well, you know, I, I had the injuries kind of like everyone had, and then I went to physical therapy and I had a great PT and I was always interested in the human body and I was always a very active person growing up. Uh, and I was playing a ton of sports growing up. So it was kind of going from activity to activity. Uh, so that's kind of the typical story of how I got into it. And somehow from there, when I was in PT school and going through my undergraduate courses, I actually fully fell in love with the profession and fell in love with, it was so much bigger and better than I thought it was going to be. So it was something that I assumed I was going to enjoy, but then actually completely fell in love with uh, how much I'm enjoying it is incredible. That's awesome. So, um, so what sport did you play that you got injured doing? The first time I went to physical therapy, it was actually back in, in like middle school and I was playing soccer and I injured my back and it was back, they put, it was tens, tens and hot packs and, you know, TRA strengthening. Uh, so that was a long time ago now, but that was more your basic, uh, how, how we were doing PT 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah. So things are changing a bit now. Yeah, definitely. Was it, was it then you were like, Oh, this might be for me or was it just a good experience that came around and by the time it was time to figure out what you're going to major in in college and what you're going to do after? My passion for it really took off 
as I was, I did a, my, my mom was always driving me to, to shadow people and figure out, do I want to go to med school? Do I want to go to, do I want to be an athletic trainer or a physical therapist? And fortunately she, as, as I was going through that process, I had, I worked with a great PT. And then as I was going through PT school, I actually had thoracic outlet syndrome, venous thoracic outlet with the first rib resection. And my PT, when I had VTOS was, he was the one, and I was already in the program now, but he took it to the next level of really breaking things down in a way that I could understand. I could understand why I was having my pain. Um, I could understand where the trajectory was. So it was, that was the biggest experience that kind of taught me the most about wanting to be a PT. Yeah, that's awesome. And so did you graduate and then go work in the mill and have a bad experience and go, okay, I got to start a cash practice or like, <laughs> what was the, like, what was the experience? What was the turning point that you were like, it's this way or the highway? Oh, I don't want to have like the quintessential story about how, because it's exactly kind of what happened though. I worked for <laughs> Concentra for a year and a half and it was, I was pumping out patients and I was earning them a lot of money and I was the, a clinic director and I, uh, took our clinic. It was a lower one in the region. And then I made it one of the best ones in the region. And then quickly the product working my butt off right now. And all of a sudden that's the new productivity standard. So instead of being, being this kind of shining star, they're just like, Oh, you're, you're average now. And this is where the new standards are from here going forward. Yeah. And that really frustrated me <laughs> because I, get, I saw all my work pay off and it was not rewarded. Yeah. So you raised the bar and then they and then they said, okay, now you have to pass the bar again. Yeah. Raise yes, the exactly. Uh, and that experience, That's all, always, you know, from the student physical therapist, I started that website back in PT school. So I always had a drive towards entrepreneurship and I was always, I was always meeting with and interviewing other business owners, but I always thought I was going to go the insurance route. And then my buddy Chris Fox, who also does the student physical therapist, he started talking about you, Jared Carter, and how there's just the opportunity for a cash-based model. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing clinicals and seeing the headaches associated with insurance. And it was fairly quick after that that I never looked back. Yeah. So was it was it about like within two years or three years you of graduating, you had started your practice? It was two and a half years. So I went down to Houston and did an orthopedic residency program. And then, so after I earned my OCS, I worked for, I worked in occupational medicine for a year and a half. And then for the past three and a half years now, I've had my own business. Dude, that's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems, doesn't seem that long ago that we were, we were chatting and there was, I was just starting up. I know. I know. That's crazy. What is, uh, what's been the number one thing that's, um, you think, made it possible for you to like get started and be as successful as you are? I, you know, as early on in, with the business, I really, and I was talking to my wife about this the other day, we called our dermatologist and the front desk person was so rude. Mm -hmm. And I love my wife because she's, she is so just like stern. If something's making her mad, She's going to say, okay, we're just leaving the service. And it's like, she told that to the, to the person. She's like, this is really hard to schedule. I don't want to, like, I don't want to go to your office anymore and we're not going to come back. And the lady's like, well, that's fine. So it was a terrible interaction on all sides. And I think the reason I was able to be successful early on is that I took 
this customer service piece that seems to be missing from a lot of insurance-based healthcare. And I put that as a top priority. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's funny because last week or two, was it two, three weeks ago? No, was it? No, it was last week. I picked up my daughter from summer camp and she had fallen before summer camp and messed up her elbow, like tweaked her elbow. And we were like, it's fine. She, I picked her up and it wasn't extending all the way. So I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go in. I've got a, um, a friend who's an osteopathic sports medicine physician. Like, let's go, let's go see Rigby and get him to just look at it because so I, cause I can't be objective with my own kids. Mm-hmm. And I say, how hey, I want to make an appointment for Dr. Rigby. She goes, okay, what's your insurance? I'm like, Wait a minute, the insurance isn't my concern. My concern is for my daughter. I like, I don't care what the insurance is. Can we do that later? <laughs> you know, can I just make sure I can get an appointment? And it was just like, I was about to like punch through the. Through Seriously. The- like all you want to do is, is get the medical care, which is the reason you're there. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the, you know, but that just shows how ingrained the system is with going that route. Yeah. Was yeah, your daughter she- okay? Yeah, she's fine. I think. She's got like a, um, I, I, she like did something uh, radial head where it was just like either got stretched and he's like, there might be a small fracture. We're not going to mm-hmm. do anything different. You know, after three weeks it was, you know, it, it's better, but you know, I still can't be, obje- you know, I can't know objectively. Yes. She won't even, she would let him actually test it and work on it. And she won't let me do that, you know? And it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, when your kids get older, you'll know, like you'll, it, it, you'll oh, yeah, you know, it's like, she was like, yeah, daddy, it hurt, but I just let him do it. And I'm like, no, that's what you're supposed to let me do. She would I could have saved us a lot of time if you would have let me do that at home. I know, I know. So, but yeah, she's fine. But it was just like that, that experience. Like my concern was for my daughter and the person on the other end is like concern is all about like, how are we going to, you know, deal with the insurance payment? I'm like, I don't care. Like that's not my, that's so far away from what I actually am called. Yes. You know, and fortunately being in Boulder, Colorado, it's a pretty affluent community. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, people, I do, people ask the question, do I take insurance? But when I say no, it doesn't, they're not alarmed. I feel like if I was doing the same business model in St. Louis, I would have to do things differently. St. Louis where I grew up and went to PT school, I might have to do things differently because then that, I might get more pushback on the answer. Do you think in Boulder, people are a little bit more educated about their body and physical health where they're just really not expecting good quality care to be covered anyways? They, they give me that with their verbals and nonverbal communication back to me is saying, they're like, yeah, we, not many, not as many people take insurance or especially the people that they want to go to. Right. So, and they usually have had that experience of being, being put in the factory and kind of given 10 minutes of hands-on stuff and then a sheet of exercises. Yeah. Do, do they say, yeah, I could do that at home, you know, or like I can do that at the gym. They gave me just stuff I yes. could do. I already do at the gym. Like that's not going to solve my problem. I, you know, I don't mind hearing that because then they come see me and they think it's an incredible experience, right. <laughs> but it, it is unfortunate that that's how probably the majority of the system is forced to run. Yeah. So, um, you, uh, your wife teaches yoga, right? Is she that- teaches bar. She teaches bar. Okay. I remember. Yeah, but- not a bartender. She yeah. like bar. Yeah, which is like the, which is the ballet uh, kind of group training class thing. If people yes, like they are actually right? she you yes exactly. Okay. So and and then you do you guys both probably do yoga, but you're bigger into yoga, big into yoga too because you've written a book on yoga. Yes. Right. Okay. So that was the 
how'd you get, how'd you get it? I want to know, like, how'd you get into yoga? When was that? And how do you incorporate that in your, in your practice? And you know, like, what are you doing with that? Because I do it. I incorporate my practice. I know how I do it, but I'd like to know oh, yeah. how you do it. Cause most people <clears throat> who do yoga are women and not many uh, PTs who are incorporating yoga or written about yoga. Yes. And, and I used to go to classes here. I was the only guy in class. Mm-hmm. And these days, like I went to a class last week and there were actually eight men in the class and four women. I was like, holy cow, things have changed in 10 years, 15 years. That's great. You know, well, and Boulder, probably it's maybe 50, 50 or, mm-hmm. or 60, 40 women to men. Cause there is the yoga community here. There's probably, it's a town of 110,000 people and there's 40 plus yoga studios. So there's, there's a lot of yoga happening and I got into it actually when I was living down in Houston. So there was, there's a lot more women in the classes down there because, because Houston doesn't do quite as much yoga or maybe they do now, but that's how I first got into it. And I, I don't know how I was initially drawn to it. Maybe my roommate when I was doing my residency down in Houston was one of the first people to get me into it, but I have always appreciated the mind body connection with it. And then being able to internalize the things that I'm thinking and then also processing the things that I'm feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. What has helped me the most about the yoga practice is I can take a lot of the, I really internalize how a certain position or posture feels. And I can also relate that then to when someone has pain with a certain movement and it brings me back to a time where I might've experienced something similar as I was moving deep into a different posture. Mm-hmm. Does it drive you crazy in a yoga class when someone says, I'll do this to protect your back? <laughs> there's you know but taking it full circle I've at least so then when I started the business I, one of the first people I went and talked to were were the owners of the yoga studio that I go to the yoga pod yeah and Jerry and Nicole they sat down with me and told me how to help helped me run a successful small business in town and so then they put me on to their anatomy and anatomy and injury training portion of the yoga teacher training mm-hmm. So then I started educating the yoga teachers who were then educating the community. So that was a cool trickle down effect of fortunately, well, I'm trying not to hear those comments as much about protecting your back and things like that, because I should be the one that's educating them. Right. Right. You know, that's the one thing. And I, and I know like, and, and we can talk, we'll talk about this in a minute because you've also written a book on pain and it's, it's the frustrate. Like the thing that I love about yoga is it's the mind body connection. It's movement. Uh, I like to find classes that involve more extension than just a ton of flexion. Um, but I can bring it to my patients and use it because they can do, I can modify it and they can do these exercises anywhere. So now they have no excuse to say, Dr. Lauer, I couldn't do the exercise. I forgot my band. I forgot my weight. I forgot my, I'm like, it's gravity based. So there's no excuse, but it's yes. Yes. I go to a class or I see things online and it's, 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 uh, I think people go to yoga <clears throat> because it's one of the exercise modalities out there that, um, helps people solve their pain problem more than like maybe CrossFit. Like you don't know to CrossFit because my back hurts and I've been let down by the medical system. They, but they go to yoga for that. Would you yes, agree? completely. Yeah. Right? I'm going to go throw weights over my head because my back is hurting. Right. Right. <laughs> Seen, I know, and I've seen more people get injured in yoga than in CrossFit. <laughs> Which is doing, very ironic. Right, it's ironic. I saw a woman break her toe because she didn't have the strength or mobility to step forward. She 
broke her toe, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. But I guess my question for you, is, and without even without even getting the background, I just know what you know. It's like, how do we get to the point where I would like we, you and I can go to a yoga class and like I'm still going to analyze people's movement, but not hear the fear avoidance uh, messages in an exercise class. It's coming from a place of uh, uh, compassion, but it's the wrong message. Do you know what I mean? I think it comes with more us getting out in the community and educating more on the forefront about about movement and pain and the combination of those two together and, and the resiliency of the human body. Mm-hmm. Because they yoga instructors typically get good information on anatomy and they have good information on breathing and, and then they're more Eastern based things like the chakras and and whatnot. Uh, But then they don't get as much on the pain science. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, and that's actually a good point for me when I go and do the next evening teaching thing for the yoga pod that I should incorporate more pain science specifically. But what's also really tough is that those are nine week programs. So learning anatomy is hard. Right. And then we start talking about the complex interactions that occur in the brain with pain is right. But there's gotta be ways to, to just dole down the message of not talking about specific anatomy as the cause of pain. Instead, they could just talk more about the strength of the body. Right. Right. So, I mean, here's like, you know, we were coming up from a forward fold. It's like protect your back as you come up rather than like, Hey, bend your back or create a strong spine or create, you know what I mean? It's like, it's Mm -hmm. just a different message, like a different message of empowerment would be, you know, like, well, the book I I wrote with Jared Hall, the Mm -hmm. making sense of pain. Yeah. Is it's all designed around the power of language. And I think, I think the words we use just as we're talking about are the most are so important to the overall message and then how that person takes that message and uses it in their whole life. Mm -hmm. So if we do even tweak the words on, Hey, your back is strong as you're coming out of this, doesn't matter how you move. Well, you know, there's different, that's, and that's where it gets tricky that, there are ways to offload certain parts of the body by as you're coming out of that position. Right. So there, you know, but it, you know, and it's just, it, I've been doing yoga since I was in college, which is back in 94. <laughs> I graduated in 96. I took my yoga class in 94. It's been a long time and I've, and I've seen it and it, that it is, and it's seen it evolve and I've seen these things and I know that it's not just in yoga. It's in all group classes or training. And it's like, <clears throat> but it's, to me, it's, okay, how can I, you know, like one, how can I use this message in my own business to help my patients get a better outcome? And you absolutely do that. But how do we as physical therapists get this out to more individuals without trying to tell them about physical therapy, which they all think is hot packs, legless and ultrasound, Mm -hmm. but we need some other method of getting this message to people you know, so that it's like, you know what I mean? Like more digestible, yeah, more digestible and more, and, and more like, Oh, this is the way it is. Like what I want to know, like, what is your experience? Like the best way we can do that? Because I don't know if I know the answer and, or have all the tools. I don't know the answer either, but I don't think the answer is purely going the pain science route because I, I, I see a lot of ears turned down when, when we just start talking about the interaction of pain in the brain, it's, mm-hmm. we have to remember that pain is a, is a, it's a, a processing of both of the inputs coming in and then our ability to manage the output. So 
it, we're getting almost too heady, I think, in the profession, too cerebral, where we're talking about pain as it is a top-down process, but it's like we're disregarding the input that's allowing that top-down to happen. Yeah. So how do, what does this look like in your clinical practice? How are you incorporating, you know, this, the pain science, the yoga, your manual uh, skills, mm-hmm. um, everything you learned PT, like, what does it look like, like with a patient interaction with from yes. beginning to end, even in some treatments? The first, usually the first five minutes is, is a catch up, small talk. Let's just see how life is going sort of thing. And that it gives, I get a lot of good information about that just to see where someone's at that day when they come into the clinic. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I have a standard set of movements that I take people through. If, if it's spine or lower quarter of any sort, I almost do cardinal plane, lumbar flexion, extension, rotation, and side bending or side glide type movement with most people just to see how their whole body's moving. And that's on every visit. I just really want to see how someone shows up, like where they're holding tension and, and how their body's moving as they come in. And then I also will look at a squat and a lunge. And then from there, I take those components and it's, let's say someone is clearly offloading their right hip when they're squatting. Something is likely going on with the right hip where they don't, don't want to load into that joint or they don't want to put pressure into their, stay up and upright in their low back. So they're flexing out of their low back. So then I go and break down from this general functional movement to specifically honing in on those regions of the body. So then I'll do a specific hip type examination. And this is pretty quick. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm just looking grossly at active range of motion, comparing side to side. Um, I'll do the same with the low back. And then from there we start educating on maybe they're not achieving certain aspects of movement and plus the complexity of other stuff that's happening in their life. So we start bringing in the pain science piece of here's, here's maybe why this is happening on a bigger level. Here's certain things that your body isn't achieving because of how you're holding the patterns. And then well, well, I'll, I usually, I use a graded exercise approach. So of gradually desensitizing the stimulus, the, the painful stimulus. So let's say they're having trouble with the squat. Well, we'll break it down to a TRX squat. I'll give them some assistance. Does that make it feel better? If not, we'll go down onto the table and just do both legs and need a chest mimicking the lower body aspect of the squat. Yeah. So, but the yoga part has helped me too, because with the patterning and understanding how we can change gravity in certain situations to use different muscles differently. It is with that. Do you see what I'm saying? Where I, how I try to break it down. I incorporate both the the movement and biomechanics plus the pain science portion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason I'm asking is because one, I want to know too, people ask me all the time, Aaron, what do you do that people are willing to pay so much for? My, my first answer is, does it really matter, you know, if I get them the result? My second answer is, you know, well, here's these things I do, but there's a lot of different things that we can do. And, you know, but, oh, it, you know what yes. I mean? So that, so it makes sense. Can I, can I answer that a little bit further? Yeah. Then? yeah, please. I, the why is the most important for me. So why they're having pain is what I focus almost all my energy on. Mm-hmm. And if that is coming from more of a biopsychosocial thing, I'll spend more time on that. If it is, if they seem to be pretty healthy in most aspects of life and it's, it, it's a, a movement thing that is, or something I don't think is moving quite as well. So that's then causing a change in how they can process the pain. Then we'll focus on that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But I spend a lot of time 
explaining to people why they're having the pain and uh, showing them strategies of things that they can do that day when they leave to start feeling better. Yeah. And I'll, from every, like I, I write down what their top three things that we're going to work on. I take videos of them on their phone so they have the exercises and it's, I, and I am almost redundant about, do you understand why this pain is at, like why you're currently experiencing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they really value that because most people with the current medical model don't, they, they have no idea what the problem is or why they're having it or what the possible solutions are. Yeah. So being, being realistic and being honest about what the cause of the pain is, is as simple as that is. That's, that's what I do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you explain that to people before they become your patient? Like how can, how do you effectively get people to understand what it is that they can get from you that's different than the other options they have in Boulder? Because I know there's not only probably is everyone and their mother practice yoga, they're probably also a lot of massage therapists, chiros, PTs, mm-hmm. options. So what are you doing that's unique and how are you, how are you, um, you know, like, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, conveying that to people, like I think. Fortunately, now I've instilled a reputation of I'm going to get you better, mm-hmm. and so and that's going to be that's going to kind of be at, at all cost. And I will, and at the, I'm willing to put in extra time and energy, even outside of of the standard clinical hours, to help you out. So I've, and this is where it would be fun to talk with you, maybe like in a separate conversation of, of practices that, that you're trying to get away from that you started early on. But a big difference with me is everyone has my cell phone number. This is my community of people and I thrive on that. I love that it's my, my community and I want them to feel like they can reach out to me at any time, but it's almost getting kind of a headache at certain times too, because a lot of people text me and ask me questions and it's my personal number. Right. Um, it's a back and forth. But from the beginning, I tried to show that commitment to if you have questions, even if it's at 8 p.m. and the clinic's closed, ask me the question. Mm-hmm. Like I'll get back to it as soon as I can. And I still think when we were talking at the beginning about customer service, I make, I make a point to make sure that everyone feels welcome in the clinic, that they feel safe in the clinic, and, and that they're going to get better. So that's a... And I'm not going to BS them on stuff. If I don't think I can treat it, especially like I'm, I'm busy enough now where there's, I don't want that person to just be coming to see me just to pay me. Like I want them to feel like they're getting results. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's one of those things that's, it's like, I don't want to treat someone if I can't help you. But a lot of times people come to see me and no one else has been able to help them. And over the years, I realized when people say I've been to everybody and no one's helped me and I still hurt, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I can make a difference. <laughs> you know? At least like a sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I, I feel confident in that regard too. And I'm just curious because I like to see what dif- what approach can I take differently mm-hmm. that's resonate with that person to actually get them better, to have that switch. Yeah. Because I think our ability to change, to use our education and language to change how they think about it and even even get them ready to 
put them in that state of changing for their own habits. Mm-hmm. I think PTs are primarily positioned for that. Yeah. You know, for me, in my experience, it's it, it started where people told me, Aaron, no one's ever touched me where I hurt. Uh, and you're the first person to touch me where I hurt. Isn't that incredible? And like, that was before I was a PT. I was doing massage therapy. I was like, wow, maybe I need, you know, people had already been to PT and chiropractic and, you know, seen their uh, orthopedic surgeon. I was like, and, and then when I became a PT, I was like, so you've seen a couple orthopedic surgeons. Did they ever do this test with you? No. I'm just like, what is, you know, but it's like the power of touch is pretty incredible. Even just acknowledging to people that, that I know where you hurt, right? Yes. Oh, that, that alone has, so and I'm not sure how you feel about, I do like a 20 for 20, so a 20 minute introduction for $20, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a discovery session. And I've gotten more return business on that because they'll say their back hurts. So I go put my hands on their back where it hurts. And they say, that's the pain. Like, and it's, it just baffles me that you can go see a neurosurgeon or a different practitioner who, who doesn't put their hands on them at all and there's no connection of the patient feeling that pain because you're, you're the one able to provoke it. Mm-hmm. And it builds in so much confidence right away as the, as that person coming to see me then of they can help me because they've identified my problem. Right. Right. That's awesome. It's even like, it's like, like I can make someone, if I can make someone move and it hurts, like that's still not as powerful as me saying, when I press on it right here, is this it? And they go, yes. And I'm like, well, then I can help you. That's the case, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and they go, yeah, that's it. It's like, right. I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it's incredible. Like, so how do you like, so how do you take that and, and take them from there to the next step and whether it's, and I'm not talking about your 20 for 20, like, like that, that part of the evaluation where you touch them and say, here's where it is. And they go, Oh my God, that's where it hurts. Like, what do you do next? I tell, and I, I even have a whiteboard in the clinic and I'll write down, so left low back is hurting. Let, let's talk about why that reason, that region of your body is hurting. So we know this is the area where the pain is at. Maybe there is some local chemical inflammation, but why is that area receiving extra stress? Mm-hmm. So it's got to be something to do with uh, what well, maybe it's coming from a, I mean, purely top-down process of, of how you're just manifesting the pain from stress and things in your life. Uh, maybe it's a combination of that plus some hip mechanic, hip and low, like things above and below either aren't strong enough or they're not providing the right input when you're going into certain movements or there's two prolonged postures that are contributing to the, the overstress of that region of the body. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's really, it's getting down to, okay, this is the region of pain. Let's talk about the different possible causes around there that can be contributing to it. Yeah. And then you make a, uh, so you get the patient to understand what's happening. Yes. Then you make a plan um, with them probably to say, hey, here's how we're going to treat it, treat it and troubleshoot it. Yeah. And that's because then that part is easy afterwards. It's you, you have the area of pain. You have the kind of three to five things that are contributing to their pain, lifestyle factors, hip mobility, whatever it might be. And then we can treat those. Like I, I'll say, okay, here's video number one of you doing it on your phone for your house this is addressing what we wrote down on the board about how we're going to help improve your hip movement, which is going to help take away your low back pain. And it's just constantly connecting the dots of they can't do this because of this. And then this is going to get them back to whatever life activity they want to do. That's awesome. And so you mentioned you do like a a 20 for 20. So I'm assuming that's a $20 for 20 minutes. Um, 
kind of a like an early visit. Uh, is that is this what you're doing in that visit? How did those go, and why'd you decide to do it for twenty bucks instead of like maybe free or even a full price? Oh. Early on, people told me to never give anything away for free, mm -hmm. and actually, I rarely do the twenty for twenty anymore. I I took it off my website, and there's probably still a few flyers around somewhere that if they bring it in, I'll I'll validate it. Yeah but I, I just don't have the capacity or I don't have the scheduling anymore to do it right now. So, but I chose 20 for 20 cause I didn't want to give it away for free. So I wanted them to have to offer something up and I, I needed more people in the door. So that 20 minutes was a way to, I would ask them a few questions. We would do a little bit of treatment. I would give them a thing or two to go home with. And it was quick. It was relatively a dirty, quick evaluation sort of thing. And then I say, if you come back, we're going to delve more into this, but hopefully this is going to get you off the ground at least. Yeah. And you have an idea of why this pain is occurring. Yeah. That's awesome. And that, was that the thing that got you busy and converted a bunch of people to patients or was there something else? That, that, that definitely was a big component. Moving from my original location after one year to the current gym that I'm in, where there's way more people, way more trainers, it's such a good referral outlet. That combination was the best. The 20 for 20 helped, but then really moving locations was key. Yeah. So what, how did you build that relationship and what were the things that you did that made that uh, so successful? Cause there's a lot of people that will move into a gym and the gym just basically ignores them <laughs> or they asked the wrong way probably. Well, I had, I made sure that I was a presence in the gym simply by working out and meeting meeting the trainers regularly. So a big mistake that I've seen other trainers who have come through, cause I've been at this gym for two and a half years now, new people will come in and I'll try to work with, or like a massage therapist might be in the gym trying to make her brand there, his or her brand. And they are just staying in their office. Like they're not getting out and actually interacting with the people. So the biggest difference is early on, I was always upstairs. I was and I would just would work out just to meet people sort of thing. It was yeah. great marketing and physical activity. So, and then anytime I had a good connection with a trainer, I, I would offer them a free session, uh -huh. completely free. Cause that's, that is different than giving away free service. That's marketing. Right. Right. That's awesome. So, um, so let me go back. We're, I want to be respectful of your time. I got a couple other questions to make sure that we, we get to. So you've written three, three books. Right. So you've got the, yes. so what are, you've got the, the yoga fix, making sense of pain and you have the, what's the other book? Yeah. The, the first book I wrote was shortly after my residency program. And I found that the best part about doing the residency was my ability to efficient, efficiently do an examination yeah. and translate that into treatment on day one. Yeah. And so I wrote a book called the guide to efficient physical therapy examination it's a mouthful. Yeah. And, but whatever, uh, that's, that was the first book I wrote and it actually people still, still buy that to this day. And it, it just breaks down how to quickly, efficiently and safely do a lumbar exam, do a cervical exam, uh, shoulder and knee. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that one probably was that, that was when you had the student physical therapist blog and probably, I think, right. Yes. Was that before the blog or after you started that blog? That was after the blog because the blog was the second year of PT school is okay. when I started that. Okay. 
Awesome. And then tell me about who's the yoga fix for? Is that for um, PTs or is that more for people that are doing yoga or somebody else? What's that one all about? That is more geared to people doing yoga. And I wrote it with a yoga teacher here in Boulder. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing this disconnect between kind of like what you and I were talking about, the the movement aspect of things, and then kind of the the why injuries are actually occurring. Yeah. And so because it's more complex than than just the movement. So we kind of we talk a, a little bit about the pain science aspect of things, but we break down yoga and movement. So we help people under have a better understanding of of why the movement changing the movement might be important for certain things. Yeah. Is it like someone has back pain, they, they think yoga is going to help them and that's the book for them, or is it more uh, helping the yoga ah. the teachers understand here's what happens when you're doing this with your patients or with your clients? It's more, more for yoga teachers. Uh-huh. Anyone can pick it up and, and read it, but it's more for yoga teachers that really are people who are under, who want to understand the postures on a better level. Yeah. So then let's say you're having pain when you go, let's say, or just lying on your back or something like, well, here's a different read. Here's what's happening from a biomechanical standpoint. And then here, you know, and there's some other contributing factors with that. Wow. That's awesome. And then your other book is uh, with Jared Hall. It's on making, making sense of pain. Yes. Right. We were talking about that. So who's that for and what's it about and what's in there? That is for clinicians to give to their patients. Yeah. So, or at least for clinicians, actually it's for clinicians and the general public. I think clinicians can relate to it because it's going to give the book has 50 analogies, metaphors, and stories on explaining pain. Yeah. And hopefully those stories can either be, you can hand the book to a patient and they can read one of them and be like, okay, that helps me understand why I'm having that nerve pain, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be for a clinician or a great market has been the chronic pain market yeah. where people, people want to know why, what's happening to them on a bigger level and the, the current simple biomechanical explanations haven't solved the problem. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. So you've got three books. You got, um, I think you said one of them was published at OPTP. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So which is that the, is that the pain book? That is the pain book. Okay. And so where, so if people want that one, is it, are these all on like Amazon or, you know, links on OPTP, you know, how do we. Making sense of pain has a link on OPTP and you can get that on Amazon. Yeah. The, the other two books are available through my website, the Hefner health website. Okay. So they're all available. I didn't put those other two on Amazon simply because of it's not, it's not as lucrative, honestly. And it'd be a very similar read if you, do it as a PDF or as an ebook yeah. or as a Kindle ebook. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, what I want to know is like, <laughs> what drove you to write three books and, and get one published? Like, where did that come from? Like, really? Like, where, like, there's not many people doing that, you know, who are also clinicians. I really, I really want, I think that goes back to the why people need to understand why they're having the current issues that they're having when it comes to managing, managing their body. And I don't think that the current, some of the current resources break it down simply enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm always, 
and also this is maybe you could say it's selfish on my part. Anytime I start writing a book, it's such great learning and exploration for me. So like I'm creating these Google drive folders of all of every topical area and I'm synthesizing the best information from each one. So it allows me to almost do an in-depth research review as I'm writing the book. So it's a part of it's a drive to learn and to help people as a clinician. And then I've always had this, I love the idea of being able to help more than one person at a time. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love and I love <laughs> passive income, but who doesn't? I know. So, I know huh? <laughs> we we got to do a whole podcast episode on passive income soon. Gosh, yeah. But that's I mean but that's, that's the real struggle. Yeah. Like people, if we're talking about going to the next level financially, you either have to raise your prices, hire someone to treat more people, or you can start making money as you're still living your the life you currently are living. Right. Right. But no. you're not going to do that from nine to five when you're treating people. So you got to stay up late and write some books or something. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's pretty awesome to wake up in the morning and see like a couple notifications that you've sold some stuff. Oh, that's the best feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's dope. So, um, Jim, uh, what, uh, well, we got to wind up. So if someone wants to find out more about you, um, we'll put the links to the books and, and your website in the, in the show notes for sure. But, if someone wants to find you online or, or get some more information about you and what you're doing, what you're up to, where, where can they go? I think the best first route would be to go to HefnerHealth.com because that will have all the links to my social media. If you, you want to, you can email me directly at Jim at HefnerHealth.com. Um, or I'm the, I'm the founder of the student physical therapist, which we still operate. So that's a great way if you're a PT looking for clinical advice. So there's, those are the three main best routes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And is there any other uh, piece of advice or something uh, that you think would be helpful for our listeners to know, or whether it's about starting a business, taking care of their patients or, you know, writing books or whatever it is. (laughs) I don't want to get too philosophical, but I, I used to think that I was doing all this hard work to get to some destination and now I realize that the, the hard work is the journey in itself. So you have to, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And because I was looking for some greater um, ends, like, you know, I've, I was doing all this work for some future purpose. And now I've realized that I'm much happier because I'm enjoying the process as I'm doing all this work to also create something, you know, something great in the future. But if you're, if you find that you're getting bogged down and, and really just grinding out and not enjoying it, revisit the reason that you're doing all this stuff. Yeah. And because I, I work a lot, but at the same time, it's, I have complete freedom of my schedule and that's the most important thing for me. So I love the work I do. It's not even really considered work in my opinion, but I am doing a lot of stuff. So yeah. um, it all comes back to happiness for me. And I know that's like, Stu, but I'm very, keen on if I'm doing not doing if I'm doing something that's not fulfilling a later goal that I want to achieve then I have to ask myself why am I doing it right that's awesome so you you get to go to work you don't have to go to work, right <laughs> it is so cool I, I went to England a month ago and when I was coming home I was like I am excited to go see my community yeah and I'm it's so fulfilling on multiple levels I'm financially successful I'm having great deep conversations with people all day long. I'm not just handing them stuff as I'm staring at a computer anymore. 
So it, I think purpose and fulfillment in life is key, like to, to being happy and being successful and having a cash practice has given me, has given me the most resources to be successful in achieving that. Dude, that's amazing. I'm stoked for you, man. That's really awesome. You know, what's beautiful about it is this is, we had this conversation three years ago on, on how I needed help starting a practice and yeah. And now here, this is where we're at. Yeah, that's so great. Well, um, thanks Jim uh, for being here. And uh, this is the Cash BG Lunch Hour. Uh, this is Aaron LeBauer and Jim Hefner. And um, this is what I want you to do. If you got anything from this uh, show today, please go leave us a five-star rating and review. Maybe even screenshot the podcast thing on your on your phone. Share it with your friends. Let them know about it, uh, especially anyone that we might this might be able to help and inspire. And other than that, we'll see you on the next show. Have a great one. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T. B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy. Give me a shout out somewhere on social media. And we'll talk to you soon.